impact. The thought behind this series that we're going to be looking at for the next few moments is the fact that we can make a positive impact, not just an impact in general, but a positive impact by allowing God to work in us and through us. We looked a few weeks ago at the fact that in Exodus chapter number 3 that God is the one who sends us. He recognizes us. He recognizes our, our, our purpose in life. And He's the one that sends us out. And He's the one also that says, I will be with you. Last week we looked at, being, after being sent out, the fact that we can make an impact in our local community. This week we're looking at the fact that we can make an impact in our home and beginning with the family. And it was very timey-wise, worked out perfectly to have a, a child dedication today and talking about making an impact in our family. I believe that we as a local church must care for the things that God cares for. And therefore, when we say, what do we actually care about? We go back to the Bible and we find out what the Bible teaches is important. And I believe throughout the Scriptures, the home and the local family home is critically important to the things of God. Over the course of this series, we're also talking about faith promise. And faith promise missions is a missions endeavor that our church began last year for the very first time. And people, every single week, faithfully give over and above their tithes and their offerings so we can send missionary money. And specifically, right now, we're supporting a family in Vanuatu, Jeremy and Liz Pinero, who serve in Vanuatu, and they serve in the jungles, and they have an incredible ministry as, as taking place and quite literally transforming people's lives. Every single month, because of your faithful giving, we send finances to help support that ministry. So therefore, we are making and seeking to make an impact around the world through our Faith Promise Missions Giving. And all we ask people to do, inside your bulletin you would receive a, what we call a commitment card. And the reason why we ask for a commitment card is not so that we know who's giving and who's not giving. It's so that we can budget. In other words, it would be unwise of us to promise something for missionaries as they go and they, they live their lives. They, I like to know how much I'm going to receive each month in, in, a sense, in pay and in a similar way with them. That way they can budget for, the, for themselves. And what we ask people to do is to prayerfully consider by asking God a simple question. God, what part do you want me to have for world missions over the next 12 months? And what God tells you to do, we ask you by faith to do that. And the reason why we ask you to write it down, we don't ask for your name. We, don't ask for, we will not contact you about it. So that way we can actually budget for it and we know how much we can plan for the next year. And we can also celebrate the incredible things that God's doing in our lives. We look around and go, wow, God, thank you for allowing us to be a part. That's part of impact. That's really the entire thought behind this series is making an impact not just in our community, but ultimately around the world by faith. On October 14th, we're going to be collecting those cards and, and making a budget for the next year for our over and above our normal tithes and offerings to, to send out to world missions. But you can give those in the offering bags at any time. Just tear, tear off that part, place in the offering bags at any time through the next few weeks. But on October 14th is the announcement Sunday. So to review, ask God, what part do you want me to have in world missions over the next 12 months? 
We're talking about making an impact in our families this morning. I'm going to walk through a passage in Colossians chapter number 3 and 4. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to open your Bibles to Colossians 3, and we're going to just take some points out of here, systematically walk through and find out what the Bible teaches for our family. Because as I said earlier, every single family looks at our children, looks at our, our, our husbands and wives, and we say, I want to be successful. I don't think any bride and groom walking down the aisle, looking each other in the eyes and going, we'll just see how long this lasts. No, you say, I want to live my life forever. We have great thoughts about living our lives and having successful marriages, successful families, someday standing before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We want those things, so therefore let's go back to the Bible and see what the Bible teaches. Because we certainly find a lot of negative examples about people making negative impacts throughout the Scriptures. You look at people like Jezebel. Now, I don't know anybody, maybe you do, who like, looks at their child and goes, oh, look at this, I'm going to name my child Jezebel. No, because it has a horrible negative connotations. The other part is Judas. You look at Judas like, oh yes, Judas. What a great, strong name to build your, your life upon. No, you look at things, and these are really people that made negative impacts because of choices they made or lifestyles that they lived. So today, we're going to go back to the Bible and find out what the Bible can teach us about making a positive impact for our family. The whole premise of this series is based upon a statement that was made in the 1800s by a a missionary named C.T. Studd. He was an English missionary to, to many different countries, and he made this statement in a poem that he wrote called, Only one life. And he wrote this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Every single Sunday here at Southwest Baptist, we have a principle. That way when you go home, you know what what we've talked about and we we hopefully apply it to your life more effectively. And today's principle is on the screen. Also, it's inside of your bulletin. If you have your bulletins, the notes are there. You can follow along. And it says this. God has eternally impacted my life so I can impact the life of my family. When God has done something big in your life, therefore you can do something big in the lives of others. When God has done a change in your life, you can now make a change in someone else's life. This is the absolute opposite to do as I say, not as I do. This is do as I'm doing because this has made a positive impact in my life and I want this for you too. And you think about that with your family, your children, parents. And teenagers, if you're here today and thinking through, you're thinking this doesn't apply to you, I want you to understand what's going through your parents' mind so maybe you'll be a little more gracious to them and you understand why they're being so kind to you by telling you no. We have three different points this morning. And the three points are we want to think long-term, live consistently. I know, I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. I wanted to skip that one, but live consistently. And third is to serve freely. Those are our three points this morning. And today as we read this, we're going to be looking at it from a different perspective. My kids, if I say something to them like, like the no word, they'll say, is it opposite day? 
And so today is actually going to be a little bit of an opposite day. What we're going to do is we're going to read what the Bible says and then look at it from the perspective of if we did not do this, what would it look like? And therefore, we can find out the positive and find out what the Scripture can apply to our lives in our daily lives. So how to impact my family? First and foremost, we can think long term. In Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1, it says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. When, my, when I was growing up, my dad quoted my grandfather regularly, which he didn't, my grandfather didn't make up this statement, but as a kid, I always thought he did. And the statement is, that person is so heavenly-minded to no earthly good. Maybe you've heard that before. They're so heavenly-minded to no earthly good because they're thinking about things and they're actually not doing anything in the present. In that passage, in the very beginning of it, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So what it does, it instantly takes it to the personal. What about me? I have absolutely no problem giving advice to other people on how they should become fit or how healthy they should eat. In fact, I have no problem telling my kids to eat with their mouths closed. The difference is when you have to apply it to you first and foremost. I embarrassingly tell this story about me. Uh, a number of months ago, I was sitting... We're sitting at the dinner table, which we love to eat dinner together, and we talk as a family, but I have some certain rules. There's no elbows on the table. You eat with your mouth closed, and you certainly don't talk with your mouth full. And when my kids do it, I look at them, and I give them, maybe you do too, or you give them the, you know, that, that look, like get your elbow off the table, you kid. And I was sitting there, and across the table, and I'm pretty sure it was my daughter Tate, because she only never does this at all, talks with her mouth full of food. And as she was talking with her mouth full of food, with, I took a bite, and I saw her doing wrong, so instantly with my mouth full, I said, don't talk with your mouth full. You know those things where you wish that nobody noticed? Everybody noticed. And I got a good illustration for it, too. But you know what's incredible? is It's so easy to see somebody else but in order to think long term, we have to be, stop comparing and think, what has God done in my life? That beginning part, it says, if you, then you have been raised with Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can live a different life. You can now think long term. And he says, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, think long term. But the hard part is, we often think short term because we begin to compare ourselves with other people. We compare ourselves with other people and looking at their attributes and say, yes, if I only had their gifts and only had their talents, if I only had their money, if I only had, and I'm sorry, you know, their kids or their, no, their, that spouse instead of my own spouse, and you begin just comparing along, we often forget that God has given and placed you exactly where he wants you. He's given you the talents exactly he wants you to have. He's given you the opportunity exactly he wants you to have. And the hard part is that we often forget and we see heroes and we think that that's the way that everybody lives. There's a comedian and actor named Bill Murray. And Bill Murray made this statement about the Olympics. Because you think about the Olympics. You have 
people that are the elite athletes of their nation. And they run in, uh, say, the 100-meter race. And the guy that comes eighth on the final gets absolutely no attention. And we kind of look at him and go, oh, that guy only came eighth. <laughs> and maybe you, that's what I do anyway. Oh, and you look at that and you go, they only came eighth. And you only focus on the, the medal winners. And Bill Murray says this, every Olympic event should have one average person competing for reference. And I thought that was I mean, so incredibly true for me because we look at heroes, people with incredible talents, and we think that we have to compare ourselves with them and forgetting what God has blessed us with in the here and now. Rather than talking about, am I the fastest in the world? Am I just the fastest in, that I can possibly be? That's a very silly illustration to show you here. Oh, man, I can't be late on the first day. That's a slug trying to run fast. The reason why that's actually a spiritual illustration, you ready for it, is because that slug, if he compares himself to a cheetah, it's always going to lose. But as far as that slug, that may be the fastest slug in the entire world. You don't know. And we often think to ourselves, if I'm not that, then I'm nothing. If I'm not someone else, if I don't have something else, and we think so short term that we begin in the danger of comparison. We're always comparing ourselves, and we never live for the here and now. But we must think big picture. You don't have the same story and the same ability, the same opportunities that somebody else has, but God has given you opportunities. And the short term versus long term is critical. It says, seek the things that are above. Short term says, just leave me alone, family. And I'm thinking of our families now. To think short term with our families, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm inconsistent in this time. It doesn't really matter if I lose my temper this time. Uh, really, that's totally short-term thinking. What we need to be thinking is, I'm constantly instilling principles in my family's lives. Therefore, as I said about church, there's only 52 Sundays in a, a year. There's not any Sundays to miss or Sundays to waste. A similar way with our own family lives. We don't have the time to waste. We need to be thinking long-term, not just short-term. Because short-term says, it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter if I lose my temper. It doesn't matter if I miss this appointment. It doesn't matter if I neglect my, you know, neglect my spouse or neglect my wife at this time. That's totally short-term thinking. We need to be constantly instilling, growing, and developing. Part of thinking long-term is getting into your Bible and reading your Bible regularly. You may read your Bible and you think to yourself, I really haven't got a whole lot into this or a whole lot out of this today. The way I describe it is that a soldier preparing for battle, they teach themselves and train and train and train. They fill their minds up with truth. And then when the battle comes along, they're not looking through the, the manual and going, eh, how does this gun work again? How does this work? No, they, go, they know it right away. And you may be in one of these training phases of your spiritual life where you're filling your mind up with the things of God so that when the battles do come, you're ready to respond correctly. So not only 
to make an impact in our family, we should be thinking long term. We also need to live consistently. And to live a consistent life. In verse number 17 of that passage, it says, and whatever you do. I'm really sorry that was in the Bible. Because that is personally convicting to me. Because it would be nice if, if it's convenient or if it feels good or if I really want to. But it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. That's in the ups and the downs of life. Remember I said this was opposite day? In the, in the following passage, we have the passage which talks about husbands and wives, how we relate to our children, how we relate to, as servants. And it says this in verses 18 through 22 of that same passage. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, let me say this really slowly and loudly. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. When I was a child, the very first Bible verse my parents taught me, and this is, this is actually true, they taught me, children, obey your parents. I think they thought it was cute to have a little kid say that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Now, bond servants, we don't have servants necessarily in our, our households today, but we are all servants of others. We're all serving others. And that's the, the thought I want to put in there. Not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Remember I said this is opposite day? Now, many times we don't particularly care to be told what to do by a Bible passage. But let's think about this, just really quickly walk through this. What would it look like for the opposite to be the place of wives, do not submit yourselves. Wives, argue with your husbands. Husbands, do not love your wives. Husbands, abuse your wives. Absolutely, we don't want that at all, do we? Husbands, neglect your wives. And says, and do not be harsh with them. You go, ha ha, and be harsh to them. Children, do whatever you want to do. I don't think, I, I see the little spiritual ones in the back nodding your head, yes. That's not what you want at all, is it? And certainly fathers, provoke not your children, lest they become discouraged. What that talks about is build, you should be building your children up, not breaking them down, not breaking their spirits, not using them, and in a, in a sense abusing them, but encouraging them to become who God created them to be. And it goes on, it says that bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. The opposite of that is employees, do whatever you want. If, it, if you can get away with it, get away with it. That's not what we find here in Scripture at all. And some of you are employers, and you would love if your employees just lived out this. But let's think about this in the, the home life, thinking that we're all servants of one another. And certainly as a father, I am a servant to my wife and to my children. They're not there to serve me. I'm there to serve them. Something that's so encouraging is that when a husband and wife love each other and honor each other, it's not work at all. It becomes a joy to serve. Let me just brag on my wife for a moment. You ready? She's upstairs with 
taking care of your kids. Yesterday I came home and I was working in the office for several hours and I rushed back to watch a certain football game that was over in the first quarter. I rushed in and my wife had a platter made out, and she never does this, but I'm going to really talk it up and encourage it so I get another one. Crackers and some cheeses and things. And you know what's amazing? I go, what's this for? She goes, I just wanted to show I love you. And you know what's not yeah, exactly right? Go and encourage us if I get another one. And you know what's wonderful about that? It wasn't an act of, I better do this, otherwise Michael's going to grumble at me. It's a matter of, I want to show love. It's a joy. And now I have to think of, what am I going to do in return? But you think about it because it's not a matter of eye service, as it says there, as people pleases, just because I have to. Or, you know, you ever tried, to, you've done something because, you're, because you had to do it? It's a lot more fun to change nappies because you love the child rather than, oh. You think about it in your life, living consistently says that I'm going to be the same person I am in public as I am behind the scenes. I'm going to be the same person, I'm going to be the same husband and father, you're going to be the same, the mother and even child and encourager, whether the times are good or the times are bad. We all must live consistently. And it says there, whatever you do in word and deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. If I just process that as a filter through which before we say anything, can you imagine how different your home life would be? I'm trying to think of this for my own home life. How different my home life would be if I did absolutely everything to honor Jesus first and through that I can honor and love my family in return. I believe they will respond in kind and they will be the people that God wants them to be because he'll I will be the example that I need to be, and you will be too. We think through, taking back to our family. We must, first and foremost, think long-term. We must live consistently. And also, the third is to serve freely. The next chapter over continues on in the same thought, chapter number four of Colossians. And chapter four, verse number one it, it goes from talking about servants, now it's talking about masters. And in masters-wise, you think about, and maybe some of you have had, because of, of where you grew up, you've had servants in your home, or, or you have, as an employer, you have employees, and you look at them and you say, how can I get the most out of you to serve me? Let me encourage you, according to the Bible, I think that's the wrong attitude. It says here in verse number 1 of chapter 4, talking about serving freely, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Now we can relate this in principle to our own families. Fathers, mothers, treat your children justly and fairly. Husbands, Treat your wives justly and fairly, and vice versa. In other words, if you imagine what the, your household would look like at dishes time if all of you were trying to serve one another. You may not have to do dishes very often at all because they'll be fighting for it. you imagine what it would look like when the simple things of life come about and you begin to encourage, and you're going the same direction as husband and wife, how differently that will look if you're all serving one another? Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing 
that you also have a master in heaven. You serve when you don't have to. In the following verses, we see three things laid out, three principles that we can apply to our lives. These three points that we have for today really are culminated, I see, in some action steps. We should, certainly should think long-term, but how do we do that? We absolutely need to think and live consistently, but how do we do that? We should be serving freely, but how does that look? Well, the passage in the following four verses lays this out pretty clearly and some action steps for us. And it says in, in verse number two, talking about being watchful in prayer. Verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It's a real discipline to watch for things that you can be thankful for. To watch when your kids are doing something right rather than doing something wrong, like talking with their mouth full. You know, always easy to pick up the negative rather than focusing and trying, what am I thankful for? I believe that will transform the way that we look at our families, the way that we lead our families. Looking for the good and recognizing and acknowledging what we can be thankful for. So this is absolutely the opposite of what we live our daily lives. In our daily lives, we think of ourselves as consumers. We rarely think about what we can actually be thankful for. Take a few moments right now and think through an individual in your, in your family and rather than thinking about them in the, in the sense of what they are or what they did or what they should be doing, stop and, th- and begin to recognize what can I actually recognize to be thankful about them for. And it may be, you don't have a whole long list. It may be a very short list that you have, but it's a discipline. Begin to look for the positive and looking at how you can be thankful. Watchful in prayer. And not just to say, I'm acknowledging it. Turn it around into a prayer. God, thank you for my wife. And he began laying out. God, thank you for what you've brought into my family. Thank you for this. And rather than turning it around and making it like a passive-aggressive prayer, God, thank you that you brought them into my life, even though they really annoy me. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're saying is let's just focus on what we are actually can be thankful for. The next one is to walk in wisdom. Verse number five says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. The Bible says in James chapter number one, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely. If you lack wisdom, let me encourage you first to ask God, say, God, will you give me wisdom? This is the prayer that I personally pray often. God, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Please give me wisdom. There's some action steps there. The book of Proverbs, written by Solomon. Also the book of Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, the wisest man, according to the Bible, that ever lived. These are practical books of wisdom that when you begin to fill your mind up with things of wisdom, it begins to come out. And to know wisdom, and after you know wisdom, you can begin to live wisdom. See, this is, I believe, a critical point for our lives, is we as a society go through the motions. And we think as long as we look okay, then we must be okay. 
as long as you think I'm all right, then I must be all right. Or we begin to going backwards to compare ourselves with others. And if they, if I look good compared to them, then I must be all right. But true wisdom is the reality check. What is truth? What is the reality? Am I living for and doing the things that God wants me to do? Am I leading my family correctly? Because the third action step here is to speak graciously. And I honestly believe you will fail at number three if you're not doing number one and number two. If you're not looking for something in thanksgiving, if you are not acting upon that in wisdom and living in wisdom, you will not speak graciously and kindly. Verse number six says, let your speech be always. I I know, again, it says always. It doesn't say when you feel like it or when it's convenient. When you speak, speak always gracious, seasoned with salt. In other words, it tastes good. So that you may know what you ought to answer each person. This is the opposite of being reactionary. Is that I'm going to choose today what and how I'm going to respond when the conflict arises. When my kids come in and they've had a hard day and they lay it out, and rather than quickly responding in in my natural way, I need to respond with thanksgiving and wisdom so that I can speak graciously rather than simply responding. Because I don't know about you, but my natural responses are very rarely seasoned with salt, unless it's salt into a wound. I respond incorrectly often. What about in husbands and wives? If you don't, re- if you don't recognize early on how you're going to respond when conflict arises, you will allow your emotions to control you. If you're not working in thanksgiving and working in wisdom, allowing God to work in you and through you, you'll simply react. And that's where fights come from. That's where the people, you know, the escalate. You look back and go, how did we end up arguing and shouting and, and swearing at one another over something so simplistic and so dumb? What about the kids? You get up in the morning you come, or you come home from work in the afternoon, husbands and, and wives, and your kids, I've not done what you've told them to do. Rather than going, Bruh, and giving them everything that you really, really want to do, can we season it with some sweet, delicious salt? Because we find out what we're thankful for and find out we can walk in wisdom and live lives differently. I've tried to be fairly broad here with my illustrations because I want you to find where you are in your family life and apply it to your own individual life rather than trying to make this narrow. Because wherever you are, you can choose to impact your family today. Going back to verse number one. Verse number one, it says that if you have, if you have been raised with Christ, What I was talking about there is if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can seek the things that are above. You can begin to look and think long term. But it begins first and foremost with the fact that you must know Jesus Christ as your Savior. For every single one of us here today, that is the starting point for the rest of our lives. It's It's not anything other than saying, God, I want your free gift of salvation. 
So as a way of response today, maybe today where you are right now, you have gone through the motions, you're a good person, you're a kind person, you're in the right place, welcome to church today, but you have yet to place your trust upon Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. Today you can do that where you're seated, or if you need more information, there's nothing more joyful than to sit down with someone and open up the Word of God, the Bible, and show you out of the Bible how you can receive the free gift of salvation by simply saying, God, I believe you are Jesus is who he says he is, and I want to receive his free gift of salvation into my heart. And admit that you're a sinner and accept his free gift of salvation. The Bible says you will be saved. And that's the beginning point of the rest of your eternity and the rest of your life here on earth. But also, those action steps. Maybe you're doing pretty good on the thankful side. or Maybe you're trying and you're developing wisdom, but there's other areas. Name one of those action steps that you can take today and say, I'm going to, around the kitchen table today, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. This may mean that your kids look at you, parents, and go, this is a little bit different. What are we doing here? And say, I want to impact you. I want to instill truth into your lives. Because we are not created just for the here and now. We're created for eternity. And I believe that just as we began last week, talking about to make an impact afar, we must begin where we are. And it's what was Dwayne's little uh, statement last week, and it rhymes, so it must be true. In order to make an impact afar, we must begin where we are. I believe we must begin in our families. And from that, branch out to be the people that God created us to be. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to finish the service, and then we're going to go have a time of fellowship and enjoy some delicious food and talk. Let me encourage you and maybe challenge you to not allow today to pass before you process these steps. Are you thankful? Are you living out thankfulness? Are you living and walking in wisdom? Are you speaking graciously? Let's begin applying that to our lives and seeing where God takes us in the future. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you teach us. 2,000 years ago, they had same and similar problems that we have today, Lord. And you've addressed it in your word, the Bible. And Lord, I pray that we'll be able to apply it to our lives. That we won't just go through the motions of life, but we will seek to actively impact our family for you so we can be the people you want us to be and do the things you want us to do. And in Jesus' name, amen.